episode 18. What is going on, everybody? Goodness, it's pandemic podcasting. And thank goodness for podcasts because uh, <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't know what I'd be filling my time with. So hopefully this podcast finds you well. My thoughts and love go out to anybody who is not well. It's okay to not be okay. Maybe you've seen people say that online. It's a very weird time for us, isn't it? And so nonetheless, I'm at, I'm at my house. I'm in my meditation room right now. Uh, my husband and I have been quarantining for a while. I just started working from home as of uh, the day that this drops, uh, April 6th. Um, the radio show will be broadcasted from my living room, but I've only been going to the radio station, the supermarket, and my house. I have not been able to do much in these weird times. And so I know how frustrating it is, but we just got to get through it and um, have been hearing from a lot of people, for, for especially for the radio show, that uh, it's been comforting to hear a voice that maybe you know, and maybe it makes you feel a little bit more like normal is happening. So that's why I'm going to do these podcasts. And actually, I might pump them out more than two a month just because now I have everything I need at home to do so. I am going to be playing with the different technologies that are available out there to see if I can get a hold of any of them. And I don't want to spend a lot of money on them. So hopefully, I'll be able to have interviews with people up and running again soon. But right now, I just haven't had the capacity to really uh, investigate that thoroughly enough. So you are are going to have me for this episode. It's the vagina monologues. It's my vagina. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And you know, this this episode actually isn't going to be too crazy because I feel like I'm going to get a good chunk of myself out on this episode. And then in the next episode, you're going to hear from my husband, Tim. He's going to join me. We are going to do a behind the scenes, meet and greet, best interviews of our lives. We're going to talk about all the famous people that we have met in our careers. Thankfully, we've been very lucky to meet some of our idols and favorites. And so we're going to tell our stories together and hopefully have kind of like a photo album to go with it. I don't know where I'm going to put that, but we're going to have some sort of photo action that's going to be able to accompany that for the next episode, episode 19. And so you will get to hear two voices in that next episode, which is very exciting. Now I asked, I have a Facebook group called uh, Learn Arena, and I asked some people in there what they would want to hear in this podcast, because I knew it was going to be solo time with me. And so between that and some Twitter people and just talking to others, uh, the idea that I could explain how I even got into radio broadcasting came out. And I thought, yeah, that would actually be, th- this would be a good one to do this with because I that's probably the most interesting thing about my, my life is that I work in radio and the story is really good and it's uh, it's kind of a long one. So I thought, yeah, I could bore people with this for an hour or so and, and take up some of your quarantine time. So that's what I'm going to do. It is a monologue with me and it's going to be all about my history of how I got started in my career. And I'll have some sound bites in here from my shows and uh, some fun things that maybe you knew about, maybe you didn't. I hope to entertain you all with this story. And if you aren't, then great, you'll fall asleep. It'll be fabulous. I originally, I I did not want to go, I did not know that I wanted to be in radio. The closest thing that I'd ever been to being in the media was I loved journalism in high school. It was one of my top favorite classes. If you listen to a previous episode of this podcast, Terry McGee was my guest, and she was my English and journalism teacher for most of my time in high school. And so I, I really fell in love with capturing something, right? Journalism captures the truth. It captures a moment in time. And I love that. I think that is the most beautiful part of media is the fact that it is it is this long story that is yet to be written, but it's all being captured. And so my 
interests with writing and journalism really began when I was 11 years old. I started journaling. I started keeping a journal, poetry, boy love, uh, friend issues, all of it from 11 years old. I'm 35 now. That is 24 years and about 25 different books that I have put some of my most intimate thoughts and moments in. And it's for me when I'm 106 and I'm in a mental institution and (laughs) I need to read back on what the hell I did with my life, that is going to be what's up. And so also I remember thinking as a little girl, maybe, just maybe one day I'll write a book and it would be great to write a kick-ass memoir once I figure out what the hell I'm living for. So anyway, that could also happen, you know, in like 40 years. I have always been captivated with storytelling. I love listening to stories and there's nothing like a good story. Is there when people are telling you a story from their day and there's emotion attached to it and and when you can have that empathy to go into somebody's brain and feel what they were feeling, right? It's kind of what the movies do to us. That's what I've always looked at journalism and media like. And I know media gets a pretty bad rep these days because of the president. I have completely ignored all that because I, I resist the thought that these storytellers and these heroes, seriously, they really are, they, they're writing our story. And in 50 years, people are going to read back on what the hell's happening right now and thank God for the journalism that is capturing it. Because I'm going to tell you something, people are not going to be looking at social media posts in 50 years unless they were relevant to a story, right? That is what is so captivating to me. Let's flash forward from 11 years old to high school, fell in love with journalism, photojournalism, went to nerdy journalism camp over the summer. That was my life. I loved it. And just the club atmosphere of nerds all in the same thing, trying to build this yearbook, you know, for the end of the school year. And I I always loved the yearbook. I could not wait to sign people's and have people sign mine and look for myself in yearbooks, you know, before I was in journalism. Because after you're in journalism, you know which page you're on. And you know that you can't put yourself in there more than the average person. Otherwise, you'll get called out. It was... It was a really cool time to be uh, a part of something like that. And I had a really great experience with uh, with writing and taking photos and, you know, putting all my stoner friends in the yearbook. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, flash forward from that. I graduate high school in 2003. Don't judge. And I uh, don't get accepted into any colleges I wanted to go to because I really sucked at being a student. I only cared about the classes I liked. And so I missed out on a lot of really fantastic things that I wish I could go back in time and just like shake myself and tell her, you know, pay attention in American history. This is all going to matter one day <laughs> because I'm so lost as an adult. And so anyway, uh, get out of high school, apply, don't get accepted, which whatever, go to junior college. Best decision of my life was going to Southwestern Illinois College because SWIC was incredible. I met some of my best friends there. It was fate that I didn't do well in school because I had to meet all these people. Anyway, I took a journalism class. I was so jacked to take this journalism class. The woman who taught it, I'm thinking, oh my God, she's probably like a post writer. Like she, you know, this woman's going to know everybody. I cannot wait to pick her brain. This woman was awful. She, I swear to you, she made us write, like, majority of the class was writing obituaries. Like, what is that? Like, you know? And so I I was like, this is what, I don't want to do this. I want to be Cameron Crowe. I want to write for Rolling Stone magazine one day. What the hell is this woman doing? She's making us write obituaries? So devastating. Anyway, sorry, I'm drinking beer as I'm telling you this story. And I've already had one beer, so... 
This is actually leftover shower beer, because if you have not tried a shower beer during this quarantine, if you drink alcohol, you're really, you're in for something. It's like going to the beach, only you're in your shower, and you're naked, and there's one bottle of beer there. Anyway, really good stuff. This episode brought to you by Modelo. (laughs) So... Anyway, I, I'm in this class. This woman sucks. I do well in the class because it was all right. But I'm also taking a psychology class. And I took this death and dying class, which this woman, I wish I knew who this woman was that taught this class at SWIC. She was outstanding. She was one of the best teachers I've ever had in my life. I wish we just didn't connect, you know, like I just did really well in her class and she was very interesting and I was captivated by her the whole time. But I, I don't remember her name because we never really like, I don't have her like business card or anything. So anyway, I'm in this death and dying class and I'm learning all about grief and I'm I'm just so enthralled with the psychology field. So I decide I am going to be a psychologist. I'm going to be a forensic psychologist. I'm so into this. And I really was, you know, this was like the, this was the next flame that lit alive in my heart. And I'm now I'm packing the next semester with, you know, general psychology. And now I'm figuring things out and I'm dating this guy named Kyle and he's into the misfits. And that's really awesome. And I'm on, I'm on the psychology train. We'll get back to Kyle here in a second. It's important. I want to be Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs. I want to kick serial killers' asses. I want to find out why they kill. I want to pick their brains and figure out things to, you know, connect the dots for crime. And I thought, okay, yeah, I'm gonna. This is how I'm going to save the world. I'm going to figure people out because I have always felt that I have an innate ability to read people, and I know when people are cool and when they're not. I just know it, and I, I thank God I have this ability because this superpower because it's come in handy many a time in my radio career because people are nuts. Anyway, one after the other, I'm telling my mom, I go, oh my God, I'm going to have to get into a really great school. I'm going to be a doctor. Like I'm going to be a psychologist. This is going to be amazing. My mom's thinking, oh my God, we're going to have to get a grant out or something. You know, like she's, who knows what she was thinking through all this. We are going to visit his mom in Indiana. And I don't think I had met her before. So I'm meeting her for the first time. Really big deal, right? We've been dating for like a year. We're in the Best Buy parking lot in Indianapolis. I can't even tell you what year this is. This is probably 2004 (laughs) or maybe right before. Uh, I just had bought the No Doubt box set that came out. It was amazing. They had every hit on there. There, all the the videos were on there. There was a great booklet. I was in love with Gwen Stefani, so I just love No Doubt. Bought that. I'm sitting in the back of Kyle's mom's car, flipping through this newly bought box set. Kyle worked at a gas station at the time, and his mom was trying to do the mom thing, where she was like, you know, poking the bear, like, you know, you should go to you should go to junior college or get your degree in this and da, 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 da. And so she's talking about this stuff with him. I'm not in this conversation. I'm just going through this stupid box set. All of a sudden, she says to Kyle, you know, you really love music. You should go into radio broadcasting. And that's literally all I really heard. And I remember this light bulb like going off in my head. And I thought, I'm going to go into radio broadcasting. And I thought, wow, what a perfect mashup of my journalism skills, my psychology skills, meshing them into one and being able to reach people and help people and meet people and talk to people. Everything about what I wanted to do was 
the light bulb went off. And so when I got back, broke up with Kyle, I told my mom, I said, I think I want to go into radio broadcasting or, or mass communication. And so it was a much different tone than, hey, I'm going to get my, I'm going to have to become a doctor. Shortly after that, I started applying to transfer out of SWIC into a university. And I applied to a few universities in Illinois. Uh, one of them was Northern Illinois University and then uh, Illinois State. And so we went to visit in DeKalb, Northern Illinois University, and it was really just not a good fit for me. It was just not the school that I wanted to go to, and it just didn't have anything that was pulling me in. And then on our way home, we decided, all right, well, we're going to also go meet with guidance counselor at uh, Illinois State and see what their mass comm department looks like, and they have a campus radio station. And I just remember my college advisor, her name was Penny Long, and she's giving us this tour of Fell Hall on this gorgeous campus at Illinois State, and the sun was out. And I go, you know, we're meeting with Penny, and she's super sweet, and she's like blonde and spunky. And then we go down in the basement of Fell Hall, and we walk into the radio station WZND. And I just remember walking in, and it was like a long hallway full of posters. I saw all of my favorite bands in a poster. It was half hip hop, half rock. And there were people like some people walking around. And I thought, I'm home. And it was like the neatest feeling. I mean, I get kind of choked up thinking about it. There had never been a more gravitational pull into a building than there was at Fell Hall. And uh, then I'm, I'm in the car. We're driving back to my hometown. And I told my mom, like, that's, I want to go there. That's where I need to go. How do I, what, how much money is it? Like, you know, I didn't understand anything. I'm like, what, what do I need to take a loan out? Like, tell me how to get here. I want to live here now. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, we ended up getting me there, thankfully. And I started that first semester and had to take all of my, you know, opening courses, Radio Prod 101. And I met Deb Lesser, who was the advisor for WZND. All of the, everybody that I was in class with was, we were all the same. Like we were all exactly the tone that you need to be to make it in the radio industry. And we were fun. And it was, everybody listened to good music and everybody was really nice to each other. And I just, I had never felt more belonged ever in my life than around radio people. And that was my first glimpse into that. Illinois State's Rock Alternative Z106. That was the new one from The Strokes, You Only Live Once. Still to come, Wax on Radio, Breaking Benjamin and Coheed and Cambria. Anything else you would like to hear, 438-2171 or WZND requests at Hotmail.com. I am Learn. Wednesdays are the place to be. One to four with me. I'll get your requests out there. Till then, here's the old one, but a good one. It's 311, all mixed up on Illinois State's Rock Alternative, Z106. And so anyway, from there, I just, I'd never tried so hard in my life to absorb everything I was learning in a class. I was like, straight A student, you know, be here, there maybe, but I really did thrive at school then. And that was really neat to do for the first time in my life. And I ended up becoming eventually the program director for the alternative format. And I had all these DJs and I loved all of them. And I had a music director and a general manager who we were all friends. And, you know, we had management council. And it was just such a cool experience because they really do leave 
they guide the students, but they make sure the students are running the thing. And so I always tell people, like, if you're going to get your degree in mass communication, there is no other place in Illinois that I think you should go than Illinois State, because it was just such a great experience from the start to the finish. I won awards. I I was the uh, air personality at the state. I don't remember what year it was. It was right before I graduated. And so that was a really big deal. We had the Illinois Broadcaster Awards. And so I got this great honor and and I uh, got to interview people and we got to go to a conference that was actually taking place in St. Louis and we got to be on satellite radio for an experience and it was just so neat. After that was over, which college is the best time of your life, if you are somebody who is in college right now listening to this, just absorb it because once it's over, you will look back on it for the rest of your life and wonder why didn't I just slow time down for <laughs> for more time. I graduate from college in December of 2007. And, and if you're doing the math, yes, I think there's an extra semester of school in there. Like I said, I was not the best student at first, but I ended up uh, picking it up towards the end. And to be honest, I'm not sad about it at all. I got one extra semester of time to be at a radio station with all my favorite people. And so that was fantastic. Before I had graduated, though, I did start working as a swing shift jock at WBBE Bob FM in Bloomington, Illinois. And it was every other Sunday. And I don't think it was for very many days. It was like maybe five Sundays I got to do it. And that was really neat because that was like my first big moment because it was a real radio station. It wasn't just online. It was it was actual airwaves and like the FCC was right there. So it was just really cool. I also got to help kind of produce a morning show, the uh, the Julie and Bob V morning show that was on, I believe, the Magic 106, I think is uh, the call letters or it used to be in Bloomington as well. So that was really neat. So then after I graduated, I came home. And December 2007, so into uh, 2008, and I was working as a barista at this new place in Columbia, Illinois called Mocha. It's not there anymore, but it was a really great coffee joint. And I was, you know, waking up at crazy hours to get up and open that place with the owner, uh, Shannon. And I kept telling people, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my foot in the door to radio. And I started applying to all the different radio stations in St. Louis and I couldn't even get a board opping position. It was like really sad. I, I interviewed, I believe it was with KZK for a board opping position. And I just remember it being really like mundane. And I didn't, I knew that I was too much for them. <laughs> so I, I didn't get that job. And then I was living at my mom's house, working as a barista, kind of down on my luck. And my mom told me that one of her old colleagues, Brent Clagus, knew John Hewlett at Casey. And I thought, oh my goodness, that would be great. And I, I said, hey, can he get me John's email address or his phone number? I will call or send him an email, you know, and, and maybe I can get my foot in the door that way. And so Brent, being the fabulous human being he was and such a great colleague to my mom, ended up giving me John's email address. And I'm going to read to you verbatim what the email was that I sent to John. I don't know what date this was. This had to have been 2008, very early on in that year. And it goes like this. Mr. Hewlett, my name is Lauren Colvin, and Brent Clagus spoke with me yesterday about you. I know Brent through working at American Recreation Products the last three summers. He said that I should contact you because of my adoration for rock radio and my recent degree in mass 
communication from Illinois State. He said that if anyone would have advice or direction for a recent newcomer to the industry, it would be you. So far, the process of finding a job in radio has been slim. I currently am looking for any way to get my foot in the door and either work or intern. I know that most internships require college credit, so that's why I haven't applied to do so. I am really interested in MS Communications and listen to Casey and The Point more than anything else in St. Louis. A little about me is included in my resume, and it would mean so much to me if you could take a look at it, and any advice or ideas that you would have for me seriously would mean the world. I'm a rocker at heart, and I have an energetic and bold personality. I'm a sponge for this industry and truly aspire to be a household name someday down the line like you. I know it takes a lot of work and research, but I'm so willing to do so when I get the chance. I have also attached some air checks uh, for my on-air experience at WZND at Illinois State. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and please get back to me whenever you have the time. Sincerely, Lauren Colvin. Now, if you've ever listened to John Hewlett and I talk on the radio... <laughs> This is the most uh, this is the most appropriate it's ever been is this email. Uh, so anyway, long story short about that, this email got to John. He actually did check his email that day. And if you don't know who John is, John is he's been at KC95 in St. Louis for more than my goodness, I believe 44 years. I think he's been on the air. He's the longest running air personality at a single radio station ever even though I don't know if that's a legit title, but it is for St. Louis. He's also the PA announcer for your St. Louis Cardinals. So he's kind of a big deal, right? So the fact that John even emailed me back was huge. And from there, he got me in touch with Casey Promotions, which at the time was Darren Caton and Tony Boozy Cruz. And Darren Caton and my friend Kevin Conry now actually did the interview. They hired me. I was in quotation marks an intern and I was getting paid nothing except for I got free concerts and food a lot. Um, but I was just kind of working just to get my foot in the door. Well, then the recession of 2008 started and a lot of people ended up losing their jobs everywhere. Kind of like we're we're dealing with right now. So at this time, I had, you know, started to be part-time, I think. I think I was finally getting some part-time hours, like on the actual payroll. And so whenever people got fired and I was seeing what was going on, I told my boss, Tony, at the time, I said, look, I can do a lot of the things that we need to do and I'm willing to work my ass off. So just tell me where I can help and like, let's let's rock this. And we we really rallied as a team and actually Emmis as a whole rallied so hard. Everybody that I worked with at that time was working so hard to make sure that they, A, kept their job, but B, that none of the things that we loved so much about these radio stations, you know, ended. And so it was a great learning experience for me because it really helped me see how hard you do have to work in certain times in our our work industries. And it shined a light for myself of my own work ethic because, I mean, we were working our asses off. And I was part-time, but I was clocking in crazy hours that eventually I had to, I said to uh, my boss and the uh, the HR director, I said, look, we're working so hard. We need benefits. We need like medical benefits. That's something you can help us with. And so we ended up getting medical benefits for all of the part-time employees that worked in the promotions department because that was kind of a way to supplement us to keep us because we were working so hard and that was appreciated. Anyway, from there, the whole time that I was at the radio station and I loved promotions and working with Tony, but I always had you know, my dream was to be on the radio. And so I was bugging my boss, Rick Bayless, at the time, all the time. And I was trying to 
make sure he was hearing my air checks and I was, you know, talking to everybody and learning from Katie Cruz and, and Favaz. Everybody that I worked with was giving me advice or giving me pointers. And that's just how good all these people that I worked with R, I eventually got a Sunday show, which was really exciting. Uh, little known fact, it was voice tracked. I was never live. <laughs> and that's fine because I needed to still work on some things. But anyway, that was 2008. I think I got that radio show on Sundays in 2010, maybe. And then from there, I spent the next two years trying to go full-time. I started filling in for people and I was, uh, you know, like really excited anytime anybody had to have some vacation time coming up because they needed somebody to fill in. And I uh, also, because I had worked there for four years now and I was full-time in promotions, I thought, you know, I don't want to do promotions for the rest of my life. I really do want to do one air. So I started looking around the country at different places I could apply. And I ended up getting this job offer because I did an uh, on-the-phone interview with this rock station down in Little Rock. And it was, I believe, for middays. So it would have been like a 10 to 1 full-time on-air show. And it was a small station, small market. But I thought, you know, it's a start. And so maybe that's what I need to do. And so in 2011, I went in and I told my boss, I said, look, I've been um, applying at different radio stations. I really don't want to leave Casey because I love it so much. But I also don't think I can wait any longer. And so I might take this. And I just remember Bayless telling me, don't take it. We're going to have something for you soon. And I didn't know what that meant. Kind of scared me at the time. But anyway, months later, he uh, told me or asked me, I guess, if I would want to be on the morning show with John Hewlett. And I was like, what about Bob and Tom? (laughs) What are we going to do? And so we actually, we stopped syndicating Bob and Tom because we wanted to bring back a local morning show to Casey. And it had to be John because it couldn't be anybody else. They wanted to throw me on with John. And so I knew John, you know, had we had worked together for four years at this point. And he was the whole reason I even got in the damn door. But I was also quite nervous because John is a huge sports fan and he's 26 years older than I and I didn't know what the hell we would have in common. I don't I don't have kids. I wasn't married at this time. I didn't know, you know, I thought I'd annoy him or something. And so I was very nervous. In fact, I was dating my husband at the time and I went to his house and I cried. You know, I got the offer and I accepted it, but I was crying because I was like, I think they're setting me up to fail. <laughs> you know, this is how they're going to kick me out. And Anyway, I I have the break here of our first show together, and I think it'd be really special to play this. And we don't sound anything like that now. I mean, we don't even have the show anymore now, but if you had listened to the show for the eight years it was running, I mean, by the time it was over with, we essentially were best friends and knew everything about each other and talked a lot more casually and not as whatever the hell this is. We are very just getting in the groove, but this is the first break ever of the Casey Morning Rock show uh, with just John and myself. K-S-H-E, Crestwood, St. Louis, HD1, Real Rock Radio, Casey 95. Hey, we're starting two minutes early. What the heck? Learn to write that down. Overtime, okay? All right, right John. Yeah, good yeah, morning. Right. Good morning, yes. And good morning to all of you. It's uh, time to get up to the rock here on Casey 95 on the morning show. From now on, it's all music, 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. We hope you enjoyed. And we're going to start this new era of... 
an all-music morning show here on KC95. Off with the KC Classic. All our shows at 6 a.m. will start with KC Classics. And today's classic is said to be the first song we ever played here at KC95. And we switched formats back in 1967. So our first classic in our new era here is Jefferson Airplane, White Rabbit on KC95. So we started the KC Morning Rock Show on January 17th, 2012. That's the official date. And it was just John and I at first. And the whole reason it's called the Cation Morning Rock Show, John doesn't remember this, but I swear to God, this is it. I'm not having like a Brian Williams false memory here. There's a uh, Paul McCartney wing song, Venus and Mars Rock Show. And there was a concert film, I believe, that was released in the 80s called The Rock Show. And for whatever reason, John... You know, because he doesn't say Casey Morning Rock Show in that first break, and it. But later that week, we we labeled it the Casey Morning Rock Show because we needed to have a name, and and I don't have that first date. I wish I had that, but I don't. He said, "Well, I'm you're Venus because you're a woman, and I'm Mars. I'm a man, and I love Paul McCartney. You like Paul McCartney? Let's be the Morning Rock Show." And I, I was like, "Great," you know, because I didn't. I I literally was like following his lead because to me. This was his show. He had never been the focal point of a morning show. It was always J.C. Corcoran or Rick Sanborn or, you know, Smat, whomever else he was on these shows with. So I really knew that this was his this was his baby, you know, and I was his backup person to make sure everything was going OK, like traffic and helping with social media and different things. So I really did follow his lead with that. And that's essentially where the name came from over time. We uh, loosened up. I remember the first time that I really made John laugh on the air. I remember thinking, this is it. This is our bread and butter. This is where my concentration needs to be with him because if I can get him to crack up, maybe there's other 60-year-old men cracking up in their cars. We both just, you know, that was it. People would always tell me, you know, we like it when you give them a hard time because I don't think anybody had done that or especially like somebody as young as me. You know, had no business giving this guy a hard time, but I did. And it was all in good love and good fun. Oh, my cat is here now. (laughs) And so anyway, it really worked. And our show uh, lasted eight years. Within that time, we stole Carl, the intern, uh, from Jamie Allman. Jamie Allman had a conservative talk show program on FM News Talk 97.1 and Carl had always had a long history with Casey, and he he is one of the best producers and in the business, honestly. And so we he would come in and help us with different things, and then we finally got the balls to like ask, you know, can we steal him from conservative talk media and bring him back home to Casey? And I think he was much happier doing that. Anyway, so here's here's a little bit of us once we were a threesome on the Keisha Morning Rock Show. Yesterday at the broadcast, John goes, we're all drinking coffee like fiends. I mean, I had like eight cups of coffee yesterday. I had apple juice. And I didn't have anything to eat until after the broadcast because I just can't eat during it. And John looks at uh, Dutch, the waitress, and goes, I'll just take a glass of uh, room temperature room water. temperature <laughs> water. Room temperature water. Not ice, ice water, which I find is more refreshing. Roomed, I mean, John, that's disgusting. <laughs> Hey, can you? I want, and I want it to be the bathroom sink. I don't do kitchen sink water. Can you get this out of the dishwasher? <laughs> Hi, can you? Uh, next time you wash the dishes, oh. can you? Uh, the rinse water yeah, after the rinse, everything's been rinsed. Uh, wait, no, you know how? Yeah, if there's a cup that was turned upside down in the dishwasher and there's, and there's water in it, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he drank it all morning. I had two, two and a half glasses of it. Oh. I like it. It was good. 
Maybe you're going to get dementia and um, well, see, here's the thing. Oh, oh, here we go. You go into these restaurants, okay, Mm -hmm. especially in the winter time, okay. It's It's cold outside. It's cold outside. You come in from the cold. You're freezing. Sit down. Would you like some ice water? No. I just came in from the cold. Why would I want ice water right now? One yesterday. Yeah. I want some room temperature water. How about that? Okay. Just kind of. Okay, but your that hypothesis that you just did does not make sense for yesterday because it was 80 degrees. It was a little chilly in the morning though. It was a little chilly. I think you're getting you were inside. I don't know. (laughs) That energy right there is the energy that was infectious, I think. You know, John and I started it. Carl added something new to it. I think that perspective of having three, then it was never versus. It was always, you know, two-on-one type of things whenever you'd get going on things. But we had so much fun as a show, and there were just so many moments that I look back. I'm not going to do all, you know, I'm not going to go down memory road with all of them because I think that's an episode in itself. My God, (laughs) bringing those guys on would be really fun. But I think that the energy that we had was so different and fun for the audience, hopefully, as much fun as it was for us, because we would be laughing off the air about stuff all the time. We had all these inside jokes. We had so many videos that we made for social media. And, you know, each of us had a different energy vibe about us and a different level of humor. And none of them were the same, but somehow it all worked into this nice host salad. And so it was great to have uh, Carl on the show with us. And he added such an element to our production too, that I, I learned so much from him in the years that he was with us. And I miss him dearly as a friend. I don't get to see him as much anymore or talk to him as much, but I do hope that he's doing something that he enjoys and he's able to thrive in his creativity still because he really is that good. That was probably prime energy for our show was to have the three opinions, three voices, three energy levels kind of going at each other in a way that was generational and comedic and fun-loving and energy-driven with emotion. It was just that last year of Keishi being at the powerhouse down at Union Station when we had like the last party town at the powerhouse and we were just on fire. We had done the Casey Morning Rock Show tour through all these different places. We went down to like Bonterra and we went to Herman and we went to Germantown. We went to all these different places and our energy was just unstoppable in our brains. I mean, I really felt like we were the number one show in St. Louis, even though we were number two, but that's pretty, that's pretty damn good still. The original Casey Morning Rock Show, which again started in 2012, That ended this year on the same day it started, January 17th of 2020. That's the last time John and I had the show. And now Favaz is kind of the focal point of the show. And John is his sidekick. And John calls in because he's working from home. And Favaz is now, you know, at this, he's at the mothership still. And it's a different show. And It's a baby. It is literally still a zygote, in my opinion, of a show, because even though it has the same name and it has one of the same guys, when you change the dynamics of a show, you take a person away, you add a person in, somebody gets fired, somebody moves to a different day part, anything you do changes the dynamics of the mojo. And my whole experience with the Casey Morning Rock Show. I love, love that I got eight years. I got eight years of that show. 
It's the longest running local morning show in Casey's history. I'm happy to be a part of that. That's a really cool milestone for me. And now I'm on afternoon drive, which means I don't get up at the ass crack of dawn anymore. And it's a new chapter for me. And now it's it's literally the second chapter of my professional career is this afternoon drive hosting. And I gotta say, I love it. I really do. It's it's so different. I, I was looking to have a new experience, hopefully with this, and I'm getting that. And, you know, aside from just my sleep schedule is different, which I love, um, I'm able to get things done in a different time zone now than I was before. Because it used to be I, I worked from 6, a, well, I got there at 5.30, 5.30 to 1, Monday through Friday. And now I come in at 12, 12.30, and then I am off the air at 6. And so that means I have to get all my personal crap done before I come into work or after. And anyway, it, it's a lifestyle change. It's so weird working in any day part. Now I've worked in all of them. I've worked mornings, middays, and afternoons. Uh, night times and overnights don't really exist that much anymore, but it'd be really neat to maybe experience them one day. But I love it. And I, I love being able to curate my show and host my show in my own way. And there's certain elements to my afternoon drive show that I really enjoy, like the five o'clock hour where I get to pick an exit 90 song, which is a 90 song that I get to dig up and, and release it again, like it's a brand new thing. And I don't know, it's just, it's a different vibe, different energy. I do miss all the boys and not having that camaraderie because it really does fall directly on you. But I've always kind of had that because I always had my midday show. So it's an interesting thing working in the radio. The coolest part about it for me, and this goes back to the psychology interest, is getting to know the regular listeners who are what we call P1s in the biz who live by the radio. Like they just, even in 2020, are still interested in what the hell's going on in there. And I think it's a neat thing. And it's so much different than TV. TV's so scripted and produced. Radio is kind of still the Wild West. And when it's done well, in the sense of produced well, whenever things can be organized, and you have a great list of characters who add different elements to the show, and you can find your favorite character within that show, that's a good show. But there's also this organic beauty to it that is so human and it helps you not feel as alone in this world. And I know I've always loved radio personalities growing up. I listened to CIL FM in Southern Illinois and WTAO, which was a rock station down there. And I thought, oh my God, like all these people are, you know, celebrities in these little towns. And then you get to St. Louis and you, you're hearing Katie Cruz's voice and you're seeing you, man. And oh my goodness, it's Radio Rich. And oh my gosh, it's Riz. And like, you just, you see these people that you know are burning so bright and you just are in awe of them and you you wonder how they got there and you try to just imagine what they think that this is all about. And then getting to just walk among these people is amazing. I never take that for granted. And I don't think I'm cool or anything. I just, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm a peer in this sort of, you know? And anyway, my whole thing with this is I love being on the radio. I love podcasting. This, like this, who who talks to themselves? I'm literally looking, I'm like Clint Eastwood right now. I'm looking at a chair <laughs> and I'm talking to it. This is what I do when I'm in a studio. I don't fixate on the fact that I'm actually just talking out loud to myself. 
I envision things. I, I see people in my brain that could be listening to this. And I try to imagine they're in front of me and I'm actually talking to them. And it's this cool thing that I think a lot of radio people have to do to get in the get in the zone with talking to yourself in a soundproof box. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy to think there are hundreds of thousands of people at any given time listening to you. Insane. That doesn't really bother me. Like, that doesn't intimidate me. I know a good portion of them are going to love me. A good portion of them are going to hate me. A good portion of them are not going to know who the hell I am, or maybe they do. Like, it's all, it's people. And that's where the psychology kicks in, because it's like, I got to, I get to literally, especially with social media now, I get to be an ethnographer to the listeners and try to understand them better. And I love that. I love hearing from people and seeing what people are thinking. And, you know, there's no better joy to me than when somebody calls in and is like, hey, through this pandemic, uh, I'm so thankful you got a voice I, I know and that you're keeping it light and you're keeping it normal and all that. Any compliments are always appreciated. And then you have people that are totally terrible who will call you out and, you know, press down on all of your weaknesses and any self-doubt you have. And that's also an exercise in yourself in this business because you have to be able to persevere through that and make sure you don't let these people that don't like you kill your self-esteem completely there's there's the thing about dropping down a notch. You know, some people get high on their high horse and honestly, they need to be they need to be pushed down sometimes just to check back in with reality. And I'm sure I had a little bit of that when I started out, but you know, once you check yourself and you go, "Okay, yeah, like I'm not a big deal and this is a job and there's good days and bad days and literally I get to sit in a room with mute with rock music and I get to talk to people about interesting stuff and I get to emote and I get paid? Okay. <laughs> like, what is this life? For me, I never take this for granted. This business, just like all business uh, that runs on advertising dollars, is fragile at times, <clears throat> but it also is very powerful. There's a stat, if you look it up, it's like 90% of people listen to radio still. It's amazing because it's free. It's a free medium. You know, I know we're all very privileged. You're listening to this podcast from your smartphone, possibly, or you're on the internet listening to it. There's plenty of people in this world that do not have access to a smartphone or to an internet connection, but they have access to a radio because they either have one in their vehicle or it's very cheap to have a Walkman or they're in a business hearing the radio that they have the radio on, you know, in their kitchen, whatever. That's awesome to me. That's that's what humanity's all about right there is uh is making sure that everybody has access to something and that's what radio is. And so I just love it. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever fall out of love with it. I I get asked often, people want to know, Oh, why didn't you ever go into TV? I went into radio because I wanted to be heard and not seen. And I know that in this day and age with social media it's impossible to not be seen with selfies and the whole gotta stay up to date with that, but I I'll tell you. There's nothing cooler than somebody heard heard you say something on a radio station and it resonated with them and they just have to seek you out to tell you how much it did. It's just the coolest thing ever. This last thing I'm going to leave you with is an outtake that was recorded as John, Carl, and I were doing some production and it brings me immense amount of joy because laughter soothes everything and so I'm going to leave you with this and get out of here. But uh, continued wellness to you all. 
hey, if you need anything, you know, I, I am a follow away on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Learn Versus Radio, at Learn underscore FM, at Learn Radio on Facebook. And I think now more than ever, we got to connect with people and the psychology and communication is still very much alive in my soul than it was in 2004. And um, I don't think there's a better time than now than to uh, <laughs> than to connect with people in the masses and also understand people better. So hopefully that's something that you'll take away from this. <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now, but I love it. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a yeah. 